Welcome to Top Shelf Integrity, where we give you an inside look at how we, the Beam Centauri on-premise team, maintain our best-in-class standards in the alcohol industry, and what makes us the best team in the business, bar none. It's about service at the end of the day, and we're going to show you how we do our thing so you can level up yours. What does Top Shelf Leadership do differently? What does it mean to show up for your customers and your teammates? How do you balance innovation and honoring legacy? It's all here. So grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's pour one out. Well, welcome, everybody. We are here today to talk a little bit about new world leadership and specifically reflect upon how we approached COVID and the pandemic and really just the activities that we did um, throughout the year. So again, my name is Rachel Harris. I am the vice president of on-premise at Beam Centauri. I uh, oversee all of our bar and restaurant business for the U.S. And I've been with Beam Centauri for about 13 years. Um, I'm sitting here with Kathleen. Um, Kathleen, what are you drinking today? Well, Rachel, thank you for having me. I'm having a wonderful Sip Smith and Tonic with a little bit of lime just to give it a bit of a citrus touch. Amazing. That sounds so fabulous. What are you having? I'm I'm admiring from here. Yeah. So I actually have a Maker's Mark Old Fashioned, you know, the one with the nice big rock in the middle. Oh, bring it on. (laughs) So nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well. Here's to you yeah. before we start. All right. Cheers to another great episode. Yes. So Kathleen, um, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Great. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I'm Kathleen DiBenedetto. I've, um, I'm the Senior Director of Seed Brands here at Beam, and I've been here for about 30 years. And I know it sounds like a long time, but it seems like a blink of an eye. Right now, I'm working on building smaller brands so that they can grow quickly and be seen for the quality and uniqueness that they present in the marketplace. But I've had jobs all over different areas within the company and most recently with you uh, in the on-premise. So I have to say, um, we were just talking about this on how much I have learned, not just through the pandemic, but even before that, on how much the on-premise brings to the business that we didn't recognize in the past. and. Um, and I really do think that that's something to talk about, that, um, how that magnifies what makes us unique as a company. I spent years working with the Beam family uh, way back in the early 1800s, as, I, as my boys <laughs> like to say, but actually uh, it's 1991 and on from there. What I learned from them is, is the commitment to people, the commitment that you're not just selling a bottle of whiskey, you're selling something that many people have touched along the way and their lives are the piece of that product. So I understood that from a brand perspective, but I never understood that from a trade perspective. I never understood that the people in the field, those who work in the accounts are literally the other pieces of the puzzle for our brands, that they too are custodians of a legacy that they bring to the future. And so, um, I have to say that that truly came to life for me as I started, um, as we came into the pandemic and we started to see what was needed for these people who have enabled a lot of our success, right? Since I've been at the company, since we just came into the on-premise literally maybe 10 years ago when we started to invest. So I have to say it's been quite a journey 
thank you. Thank you for giving me that opportunity to meet such unique and amazing people and also bring to life what makes us special as an organization. Yeah, no, my gosh, Kathleen, I love working with you so much, man. And I couldn't think of a better person to really be at my side and really tackle such a, you know, unprecedented year last year together. Um, And while we started our on-premise journey, you know, prior to that, it was really throughout last year that I feel like step changed, not only our culture here at Beam Centauri, but how we how we prioritize too the the on-premise and the trade relationships that that we have and and put the value of those relationships for kind of our future potential on the line. So I I love that you you already talk about how people are are so important, right? And have been such a big piece of your career and and also how that really stemmed back to the families and and you knew the Jim Beam family from from working on all those brands all those all those years. And so when you reflect on COVID and you reflect on how quickly the pandemic kind of hit our industry and really just devastated hospitality and and I'll throw a couple stats out here, right? When when COVID hit, you know, job losses really surmounted in, in, in April and, and the nation's unemployment rate reached almost 15%. And that's, that's the equivalent of two and a half, 20 and a half million people immediately out of work suddenly. Right. And a lot of those individuals may have been living paycheck to paycheck or, or may have not had the, um, and in hospitality, we know don't necessarily have the infrastructure underneath them. Right. So, you know, the service industry was, was amongst the hardest hit and, and still is today. And at the same time, you know, we are on the road to recovery. So it's not all doom and gloom. And, right. and actually we're, we're on the road to rebuilding a better industry, um, not just recovery. Um, but when you reflect back on the pandemic, and so yeah. I want to take you back to the, you know, those early days in in March and April. Um, when you think about Beam Centauri and and our actions and the sentiment of people first, um, what comes to mind? You know, that's a a really good question, and I remember sitting with our on premise portfolio managers and at one point saying, okay, what makes Jim Beam or Beam Suntory different from other companies? And what we always came back to is the sense of come as a friend, leave as family. And um, I think when, when this first hit, we had heard the reverberations of how this was going to affect the frontline people, uh, the people in our accounts, those who mattered most to us and the people we called on every day. And um, I said, well, how would family respond to family? You know, it's, I've got two grown boys and I was just talking to my older boy the other day and he's having some surgery for a, a stomach problem. And he's like, okay, well, there's going to be a deductible. And I'm like, you always have me, Dom, you know, I'm your mom. I'll always be there. I know you're grown up, you've moved out, but don't worry about the money. Get yourself right. And I think that's what beam the way we took it is we said, you know what? These are members of our family. That's the thing that's going to be different about us is we need to say that this is about you as a family member. This isn't about trying to win a score at that moment. And uh, I think you and I both tag team when we called the different distillers 
because remember, these are all families, you know, the, you know, Fred, no grandson of Jim Beam or great grandson of Jim Beam, excuse me, uh, Rob Samuels, grandson of the founder of Maker's Mark, uh, Carlos Camarena, El Tesoro. When we said, hey, these people are struggling. Can, can you send a message? Because we're going to grow for good. We're going to do the right thing and we're going to take care of our family. We're going to make sure that they're going to be okay. Now, every one of them got back to us, I think within 24 hours with, I have to say, I don't know if it was Carlos who came back first within like three hours with a video saying, this is my wish for you. This is my wish for your success. And for for me, I felt like, okay, that's the differentiation between Beam Suntory and other suppliers. And I'm not saying that any others that were like better than anybody, it's just like different personalities. We, we treat this as, as if it's a family member and we're, we're there to be there for you. And we sent out those videos. We sent those out those videos and also made that million dollar commitment. And I think that along with saying it's not going to stop there, we recognize that, that this is, this is a longer term issue and that we're going to come back with additional programs to make sure that we're still taking care of, of our family. Uh, I, I think that was important. I think none of us knew how long this was going to last. I, I can remember back in March thinking, okay, well, um, I'll be back in June. I'm, I'm going to save these, my, my train tickets because, you know, I, I know I'm going to need them back in June because we're going to get over this. Who could have imagined that we would have been out this entire year? I, I, it still blows my mind when I walk through our empty office and I, and I, and I still see the pandemic raging in countries like India. It's, uh, it's amazing. But I think what I'm trying to say here is that it was a personal and heartfelt approach. And it's all about our connection to helping each other. You talked with the organizations that were the recipients of these funds. What did they say to you? I'm going to back up for just one second. So we had worked really quickly to determine organizations to support, right? Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of our organization for how fast we moved, um, how quickly we had alignment to, you know, put dollars into the hands of organizations who could very quickly get them to our trade members. And ultimately the the need was around basic human needs. It It was, how do we provide food, pay rent, um, really just keep the electricity on right at, at these, these trade members homes. And we did a lot of research on how we could show up consistently, how we could make sure that those dollars got to those in most need yeah. as quickly as possible. And so, um, we supported the restaurant workers community foundation, um, which is a 501 C three. And we also supported the United States bartenders guild. And, and really the reason that we did that was to address those immediate financial needs. Both of those organizations were incredibly grateful. And like you said, we vowed to be consistent. We knew that this was not a, a one-time um, donation and, um, and that we already had relationships with these organizations and we were continuing to have that relationship. Well, I thought what was cool is you pivoted 
I mean, I think everybody came to the table, even uh, we had regional marketing and we had our OPPMs and it wasn't about brand building. It was about taking care of the right people. So I remember us saying, um, identify emerging needs. This wasn't about a brand need. It was the emerging needs of our trade. Eventually, a lot of that it did end up becoming programming that, that actually helped in some ways drive some volume through accounts where it didn't normally exist. So that was good. But I, I, I do want to point out that I appreciated the the leadership and the way that you took this, that it didn't become about our brands. It came about people. Yeah. And that is the key to, to our, I think to anybody's success is what you give out, you get back tenfold. A hundred percent. And like, this really wasn't, while a charity donation was, was nice, right. And, and got dollars out. It was really the approach to it that I think what is what set Beam Centauri apart. You talked about the distillers. So we produced an amazing video from our entire family of distillers that we sent out to the trade, you know, with encouraging notes um, to them. And I just, it really just hit on that from our family to your family or come as friends, leave as, leave as family um, approach that we, we have as an organization. And it didn't stop there though. I, when I reflect back on even just how corporately we handled the pandemic pandemic. We made the decision, our leadership team made the decision very quickly that we were not going to furlough any of our on-premise team, that we were we were not going to reorganize, you know, our organization, not reduce any of our workforce. And they made that decision because there's a sentiment that you take care of your family so that your family can take care of others. And that's so powerful. And it almost makes me cry um, when I think about it, because being somebody who leads the on-premise and was working in the on-premise to have the confidence literally off the bat of being hit with a a pandemic in a world that was ever changing and to know that, okay, our rules are secured so we can take care of our trade partners. Um, It's just so powerful. And we pivoted so quickly too in like outlining the principles that we were going to operate in. So when you, when you were in a situation, right, that is uncontrollable around you, the first thing that you really should define is like, what do you control and where are you going to focus? Yeah. And um, the number one thing that Beams and Tori put out is we're going to protect our people. We're, we're going to make sure that the health and wellness and state of our employees and our partners is good and that we're going to get through this together. And it's just so powerful. Yeah. I, I love that you, you said that because I think that is often underestimated, um, a sim- simple effort of saying you're safe is, is everything. It's everything. I also want to acknowledge that while we gave money to organizations, we also worked directly with accounts to provide meals. Um, and I, I, uh, I actually was looking at some old Yammer posts, which is my joy to do because I, I like to see what people are doing. And I, I pulled a few out and it's really interesting on how 
because our people were given that latitude, they all addressed this meals or the shift meals to go, which was meals for for the trade. You know, if you didn't have money, come and pick up a meal, take it to your family. All of it was done differently based on the people and their relationships. So I saw Sarah Copeland had four bartenders that lived in one apartment and dropped off food for all of them based on their their um their diets, et cetera. And then you see Michael Bettman who does a big 35 person a shift meal to go for the entire staff. Which he included Maker's Mark 46 truffles. Oh yummy. I want to point out that this was pre-Christmas. So now we've been all the way from March and it's still happening in the second wave. And so I I that's the kind of when you empower people to grow for good, to do the right things, they do do it, but they do it with their own personal flair. And I, I think that's what makes Beam Suntory special. Uh, and Suntory, it starts with their behavior, too. They, Suntory has always believed in the taking care of our trade, taking care of people. And it's the Beam side that has coined the phrase, come as a friendly family. So I, for me, um, every time I look through these uh, shift meals to go, it's interesting to see how it's our shared generosity is expressed different ways. But I also wanted to ask you about the coolest program that I thought that you guys ran, which happened in the summer. You know, we were all uh, like, oh, look at the pandemic is trending down. Looks like we'll be going back to work soon. <laughs> the fall hadn't come yet. That's when we we put together the uh, the peace plant, or was it the lucky plant? It was the lucky plant. We were welcoming everybody back to work. Uh, so tell me about that, because I, I I think that's a special program. Yeah, no, I I absolutely love our lucky plants, and <laughs> it, yeah. and I'm laughing because man, we did think that it was about over then, <laughs> didn't, didn't we? we? <laughs> <laughs> and boy, were we wrong. But um, yeah, so. Obviously, coming off of supporting our trade through Shift Meals to Go, we started to think about how do we welcome our family back home and back home, meaning when bars and restaurants open up again and the sentiment of, well, when I have a friend or family member who has a new home or is opening their doors to their home, I bring them up. A, a welcome home present, right? A homecoming present. And yeah, we decided to provide lucky plants as a sign of resilience um, yes. to to bars and restaurants and a sign of hope to bars and restaurants of, you know, welcoming doors open. And there's nothing that does that better than, than a little house plant, right? Oh, um, you're right. So yeah, our our lucky plants, our our on-premise portfolio managers um, were able to uh, deliver a piece of point of sale called a lucky plant and really welcome doors back open and and show show accounts how we felt their resilience was just so honorable. And to go with the lucky plant, Fred No and uh, Shinji also signed a letter. Um, oh, I love that. Yes, I remember. Yeah, to to our accounts and just, you know, gave words of inspiration of of, um, you know, how we're we're so excited to to be back. 
So yeah, I, I love that you brought up the lucky plants. Those were, those were, those were fun. And that idea really spawned from, again, empowering our people. Yes. We had brought the team together and, and brains like brainstormed, um, how do we want to welcome back and, and how do we continue to show support for our trade partners during this really difficult time? And, and lucky plants was our answer. Uh, well, uh, I, and you know what? They did bring some luck because what happened about that time? We started seeing legislation change on cocktails to go. And I'm not saying that was lucky, but it was overdue in terms of how we allowed our on-premise partners to compete. Not having that opportunity to make money on arguably one of the largest margin items in an account, that was an oversight. And I was so pleased to see that change. I know we as an organization also invested in that to make sure that people, uh, our accounts had something to work with. So about how much do you think, maybe it's not money wise, but how many accounts do you think we affected with this changing legislation and this opening up of this cocktails to go concept? Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great question. I mean, we were really quick to react and we worked with our distributor partner, our primary distributor partner, Southern Glaciers, Wen and Spirits, and developed a playbook on how to do cocktails to go really to drive this new revenue stream. And, you know, to, to date, I, I think we have partnered with kind of with over 3000 accounts yeah. um, nationally in open markets mm-hmm. and, and really driven double digit million revenue, um, you know, for these accounts, which is, which honestly that the legislation changes that happened, the temporary emergency orders that were put in place were truly a lifeline. They were a lifeline to these accounts, um, to find a new way to drive revenue when doors were closed. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and they did do some really incredibly, um, creative things with that. Uh, I loved uh, the program out of Southern California. I think Edwin Cruz ran this um, with a top account. And it was a a holiday-themed cocktails-to-go program with dinner. So I truly think they they took this to the next level. They said, how can we make this even more meaningful so that, you know, a consumer at home could actually have an entire party around this? But I think what else this this opened to us was this concept of the home premise as a meaningful channel. So how do you think that's going to change our business moving forward now that we've got on-premise, which in many ways is feeding this home premise um, idea? Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, they're going to coexist for a really long time, if not forever, right? Yeah. Um, as consumer habits have have changed. And what I really loved about Cocktails to Go being that... Uh, vehicle to kind of open that door is that, you know, we're a social society, right? It's kind of embedded in the word. And when you cannot go out to bars and restaurants and have that social occasion, you can't have that with your friends and family at a table over a meal. You can't have the theater that comes with having an amazing bartender just craft you that like perfect cocktail. Yes. You urge to recreate that. And the example you gave on the cocktail to go boxes is our team's creativity just like went through the roof with oh their my gosh, yes. with their partners. And if there is any industry that can that is just 
booming with creativity and solution finding. It is 100% hospitality. And so, yeah, the, the amazing kind of cocktail to go boxes that allowed consumers to create an experience at home, an experience with friends and family, that experience over a cocktail that they were missing in the on-premise was so important. And we see that continuing because now, I mean, my gosh, I can't, I can't invite my neighbors and friends over to my house and not have (laughs) a full-blown experience around cocktails anymore. (laughs) I think, but what we did discover is that bartenders really do make great drinks. They do. (laughs) Because when you try to make that old fashioned at home, it always, it's always been a a challenge, at least for me. Um, The other thing that I thought that this really opened up was this concept of virtual training or virtual tastings. Um, I sat on a training with Bobby Gleason. He was teaching a group group of people how to make a Manhattan, an old fashioned, and what was the last one? Oh, in in the gold rush. Um, with Maker's Mark. And right before the holidays, everybody feels this urge because we can't go out. How are we going to make a great cocktail so we're not embarrassed? And I have to say, that tutorial showed me how to look professional, but also to create that balance in a cocktail. So to what end do you think that this kind of virtual trainings and tastings are going to continue? Yeah. I mean, they, they, I think they'll definitely continue. I think, you know, we're living, we've been living in a digital age for a few years and a few years. (laughs) And, and so I think the the pandemic just accelerated those trends even further. And like you said, we're, you, we realized how much we, and we already did, but more, I would say more consumers realized how much they really appreciate a really good bartender. Oh, yes. At the same time, they sparked their own creative juices. And I don't think that it will stop consumers from mixing at home. Right. right. Um, and so I think it's also important that that we continue to put out that content and we continue to train our, everybody and ha- ensure consumers have access to um, to educate themselves on on how to craft those cocktails. And I also think, honestly, it's a it's another wave of consumers who may join our industry one day, may decide that, you know what? Yeah, I really love this. I could maybe do this full time. (laughs) Yeah, I 100 percent agree. And I even see accounts that are hosting live mixology sessions Um, because you're absolutely right. I, I think we have to really punctuate this. We did not recognize the value of a great drink until we couldn't get one. And then we're like, oh, my God, my bartender. And this is why the cocktails to go is going so big. Now, as more vaccines get out there, we're going to see people going back to the on-premise. But I also think we're going to find people are not just interested in the spirit itself, but interested in the craft of the bartender which I do think will help elevate that role itself to a higher level. So if I can say that there's something positive coming out of this pandemic, I don't know, I'd love to get your thoughts, but I I do think that the value of what the bartender brings has, has grown substantially in the consumer's mind. Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. And I mean, I dream and we're working towards it, right? One day, the bartender and that mixologist being on a stage like a chef, 
right? Yes. And, and being, being at that same renowned level across the board, um, where, you know, and, and in some cases the, it's, it's already starting to happen and there's some amazing, amazing industry professionals, right? Where you go to their bars, you, you go to, to see their new concept because you want to see what they've crafted. And I think we now have an opportunity to do that at scale. Yes. Um, in a much bigger way. Yeah. Rock on. That's going to be the future for us. Yes, for sure. Well, I know we talked about, so we've talked about the donation that we've made as a company. We sure. talked about Shift Meals to Go, which by the way, Shift Meals to Go is still going on, right? It's 2021 and, and our teams are still out there supporting accounts in the different states and in uh, stages of reopening. Um, and as you mentioned personally coordinated, like one-to-one coordinated, yes. which I think is just so incredibly impactful. And we talked about cocktails to go in the lucky plants, which is all amazing. I love those. One of the things I, I wanted to, to chat with you about Kathleen, cause you played a huge role in this is knowing that we had our teams at Beam Centauri um, confident in their roles and their ability to really focus on people. And that's trade professionals, but we also gave them an opportunity to focus on themselves Right. Yes. And, and to almost, and to upskill themselves. And so you launched a program um, called our business partnership planning and a curriculum yes. for our teams. And I'd love you to tell our listeners a little bit about that and how we invested in our own people. Oh yeah, absolutely. A key piece of our success as an organization, if we believe that people are the most important asset is not only understanding what value each of our employees brings to a relationship, but then recognizing the needs of our customers. And that business partnership planning has to come with self-awareness. It has to come with um, an understanding. Are you listening? What is it about you that, that might be special? So for me, I, I know that um, I'm really good at the small talk, but I really need to take time to think about how often I, I listen to people. And then to practice that active listening. And so we, we started a lot of our curriculum in self-reflection. What is it about each, of, each person and the different values that they bring? We all have different things that we bring to the party. It's just knowing that how are we hearing our customers? How are we developing plans that, that benefit both of us? You can't. I think what what we believe in our philosophy is that you can't ask for a sale without there being something in it for the account. This has to be a win-win. And that comes with listening and understanding and and identifying. You may see something that they just don't notice. You know, sometimes when you're in situations and you don't see something right in front of you because you're so in it. Yep. And if you are just listening in, uh, sitting at the bar, for two weeks in a row, just listening to customers and listening to hear what they say, you know, that they don't have any really refreshing cocktails. I really wish I had uh, a refreshing cocktail with fruit making it up. It's a simple fix. It's something that you have played a part in helping to solve or, or deliver an opportunity. And you come with, with a plan on how to bring that to life. So um, our, our business partnership planning is that it's about partnering with our customers for their success. And if they are successful, we will be successful. And I do think that that 
is reflected in the way that we even went through the pandemic and tried to find solutions to help them make money in the short term. With all that we did and with the programming for Cocktails to Go, et cetera, we didn't make a lot of money. But what we did do is we helped solve a problem that kept companies, bars, restaurants afloat during the time that they needed it the most. And that reminds me of Jim Beam. During Prohibition, he could not make money. He could make money making bourbon, but he tried everything. He tried citrus groves in Florida. He ended up buying our distillery where it's at now in Claremont and turning that into a stone quarry to break stone so that his employees had a place to work. He made zero dollars on it, but people were able to feed their families. And he said, I know this is going to come back. I just need to keep people healthy and happy long enough to get over that that moment, this crazy moment of prohibition. And he did. And he was the first person in line to get his distiller's license 90 days after prohibition. And today we have the largest bourbon in the world. So doing the right thing matters in the end. And that is really what our business partnership planning is about. It's about doing the right thing for our customers. We've got the quality brands. We don't have to be selling our soul for a brand. We have the right brands. We've got good quality. We just have to find the opportunity that works best with each of our customers. I love the story about Jim Beam because there's so many synergies, right? To to our culture at Beam Ventura today and to, and to how we approach, how we approach everything, right? There's a, there's a perseverance, there's an agility, there's a patience to know that you're on the right track and it's a matter of timing. Yes. Um, throughout all of it. And so I thank you for telling that story because that that is an amazing story. And and I mean, come on, the pandemic is kind of like prohibition, right? Where the selling channel just stops. Right. Right. And we we all banded together. And I, I just want to bring up one other founder, Shinjiro Tori. His first brand was an unmitigated disaster. He tried his best. He tried to make whiskey and it just did not suit the Japanese palate. So he figured out another way. Now, when you talked about that solutions oriented thing, that's the key. It's not every decision is going to be the best possible decision. And that's what we tried to teach in our curriculum is that if you do everything with good intentions, it's okay if you make a mistake. Just pivot and do, and make it right. And that's what he did. And um, so I do think when we think about our, our what we're doing here as a company, that doesn't mean that you always will be right. It just means that your effort is acknowledged for doing the right thing and maybe there's just a better path so yeah absolutely well I know the business partnership planning curriculum and was just so impactful so impactful to our our on-premise portfolio managers so impactful to how we as a company approach the on-premise channel and and really develop like our our way of partnership with accounts, right. because that's exactly what it is. And it's what you described, right? A, a mutual relationship of, of uh, 
delivering the best quality product and the best experience to a consumer. Right. We're deeply rooted in hospitality. And um, we always talk about our five tenants of luxury. Um, but it's those five tenants are not exclusive to luxury. It's quality. Are you delivering the best possible quality? Not in the product, but in you, in what you are offering, in what you are doing. Are you bringing in the best possible glassware to sip a, a beautiful high-end cognac? Um, aspiration. Are you treating everything from that aspirational lens of how will people desire this? How can we build desire? Because that is a key piece to driving the pull that is necessary for success. Um, so we've got quality, aspiration, innovation. Are you thinking of innovative ways to talk to your customers, innovative ways to bring their business to life? Because hospitality is always changing. The way that we approach consumers is always going to change because consumers change. Every, every, I am, uh, obviously I've been here at Beam, so let's just say that I am not one of the Gen X generation, right? <laughs> I have different needs than Gen X, Gen Z, the new generation that's coming in. So how are we innovating to acknowledge that uniqueness? Um, so we've got quality, authenticity, innovation, aspiration. Authenticity was the one that I wanted to speak to. In terms of authenticity, are we sharing these stories of Jim Beam, of Shinjiro as learning mechanisms? Uh, you know, I guess for me, I always find that I like to learn from somebody else's mistakes because it really sucks to learn it on my own. <laughs> right? Um, we we all we all know what that's like. And so when I when I hear stories about Shinjiro not necessarily having that big win right out. Um, I'm like, okay, well, I can't, it's okay if I don't get this one perfect, right? The same thing with Jim Beam. I, I, you know, he overcame such adversity for the years and years of prohibition and, and found Ways to make it work. I, I just, I cannot say enough that we all need to, to take, take a moment and consider that not everybody, that you're not always going to get it right the first time and that you are going to face hills and valleys in everything that you do in your life. So, um, and of course, here I am looking for the last tenants of luxury. I should, uh, I should know this. We have quality authenticity, right? We have aspiration. We have innovation. The last most important is rarity. So how do you make a brand yourself something that's sought after? And that's by making what the value that you provide so unique that only you can provide it. And so you will be sought out. Your value rises with the value that you bring to your customer, just like a rare piece of jewelry or our rare Yamazaki, you know, it's such an excellent, amazing spirit, but there's only very little of it to go around. And I'd like to think that when people look at our on-premise teams, they recognize the uniqueness and say, oh, I want that person on my business. They're always thinking of new ideas. They're always thinking of new ways that, um, 
that they can engage this consumer. They, they come to me with ideas and data that tells me how to be successful. So when we say rarity, it's about elevating based on you, a single person and your impact on a marketplace. I just love that. I just love that. And you, you touched on learning from mistakes and it's almost like being nimble and not being afraid to make a mistake. And quite honestly, that is such a big piece of what we say is new world leadership, right? Yes. That it's not always about getting it right the first time. It's about learning from your mistake or even better, learning from somebody else's mistake. (laughs) But regardless, learning, 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 learning constantly. And, and I think the pandemic also taught us that because things were moving so fast that you had to trial and error because things were moving quickly and, and you needed to get out there and have, and when I say get out there, you needed to be able to have conversations with individuals who were closest to what was going on and learn as much as you, as you could. And um, and that's the value then that you bring back in how you program and how you move forward. And so I just, I just love that. There's this concept um, at, at Beam Centauri called Gemba. And um, Gemba means it's a Japanese word and it means, you know, going to the place of value where value is created. Mm-hmm. And Gemba was so important to us. It, it, it is important to us. But when I reflect back on the team and how we managed the pandemic, how we were able to pivot so quickly and with the focus on people, it really was the relationships. It was the trusted relationships that our team, our sales team has, that that we have with our trade partners, that we were able to go to Gemba, meaning ask our trade partners, what's going on? What do you need? What are, you know, cocktails to go? What are your operational challenges and cocktails to go? Um, and, and also helped us to design the business partnership planning curriculum on how do we need to be their partners? Um, and so I just wanted to touch on the fact that, um, you know, going to this place of value is, is another core value of Beam Centauri and was part of what made us, in my opinion, quote unquote, successful and how we focused on our people and how we pivoted to help. Yeah. And I I 100% agree with you. And part of Gemba is that piece of observation and listening and not believing you know everything, knowing that there are intangibles out there that you can't understand. And that is the reason why we have so many varied programs that address whether it's shift meals to go or cocktails to go is because the the issues were very different. There was another program I wanted to touch on as we as we talked about focusing internally like on our people, right? And business partnership planning was one. The other one was career experiences. And, you know, as we think about new world leadership and you think about how how you build careers in today's environment, um, the types of experiences that you have just become so important. And so um, for our career experiences program, we uh, we worked 
almost like a part-time rotational internship program um, here at Beam. And we uh, had our on-premise team um, self-select areas where they were passionate about areas of the business that maybe they hadn't touched before, like e-commerce or the off-premise or or even marketing. And we worked to create this program where um, they temporarily rotated uh, part of their time to, to learn, to learn that area of the business, to, you know, add that to their career toolbox and their experience toolbox. I'm curious from your perspective, like coupling kind of business partnership planning and and career experiences. Um, talk to me a little bit about how impactful really the combination of both would be in our sales force kind of moving forward. Well, what I loved about that is it allowed some of our field salespeople to walk in the moccasins of, of the headquarters people. And they always have this vision that we're in an ivory tower, right? Uh, and I think they learned that it's, it is a challenge to identify needs that an entire country uh, requires. But I think what we learned from them is sometimes you don't have to give out all the answers. You give the platform, you give the goal, and you say, tell me how this is going to work for your business. So. For for me, I feel like this year has been an important year of both sides understanding a little bit more about where we're both coming from. I do think that's going to make us a much stronger organization and, and frankly, one to be envied because it does take advantage of that creativity, that entrepreneurialism that we have as part of our culture here at, at Beam Suntory. Um, I know that you had people working. They were working um, both e-com. Didn't they also work with national accounts? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when you start to see how different businesses with national accounts, it allows you to understand your approach and how you might shift your local approach. So I guess for me, I think it was an important milestone for us as an organization to better realize our strengths lie in our human creativity and in our, our entrepreneurial owner-like attitude that we take at the front line. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if you saw the same thing from your end. No, a hundred percent. I mean, that's what sets us apart, right? Mm-hmm. The investment in our own people, the approach of treating everybody like family Mm-hmm. taking care of our own family first so we could help the rest of the family out there and and truly set you know our teams individually up for success in the right toolbox and the right experiences and the right skills um to broaden those relationships yeah because when you deepen those relationships you you learn so much more about how to help um, and how to co-develop businesses together. And um, yeah, I think that's, it's 100% what sets us apart. Yay. So I, I am, I don't think I want to repeat this whole pandemic thing again, <laughs> but I think we did do the best we could possibly do for people in terms of helping them to 
when we were fully locked down, focus on themselves, learn a little bit about what makes them special so that when we are open again, like we are starting to open now, you know, you have confidence. You, there's, a, there's a different swagger in your step when you're going out to the marketplace. That cannot be underestimated, that, that importance of, of that confidence. I think also the understanding of different work streams. Like, I'm not sure everybody understood highball. But after you have enough people come in and work the career experiences under highball, you now have the foot soldiers that now go out and say, oh, my God, here are the five things you need to know about highball and how it's going to change the face of our drinks experience going into, you know, the uh, 2022 and beyond. So I, I also do appreciate the fact that in many ways, it also helped to build that word of mouth conversation that needed to happen. It could only be believed if it was authentic. And this is true, authentic endorsement. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah, it's the, the, the teams really just came together. And as I, as I look back on all of it, and again, I don't want to repeat it either necessarily, but I would, but I would also say that it, it truly was a year like no other. And I am proud to work for Beam Centauri and I am proud of our on-premise teams. And I am confident that we put others first throughout this. And we looked at society and our teams and our partners as individuals and treated them as such. And and I'm proud of that. And, and I think you touched on the confidence that our teams have now is so amazing. And they were because they were empowered and, and now they're so confident and that confidence just exudes from them into the trade community. And, and guess what? Our trade community also looks at us and we consistently showed up and yes, we did. And our teams are consistently still showing up. And we will consistently be there for them. And that, that was proven case in point. And for me, I'm, I'm forever grateful. Well, on that note, I want to make a special toast <gasps> yes. to you. No. So here's to you. Let's clink. Because everybody, you should know that you should never clink with water, <laughs> only with spirit. So I'd like to toast to you, to our people, to our founders who made this possible, today possible, right? into our on-premise trade. Um, may they continue to be have the success that they deserve and may we always be there for them as we have been in the past. So here, here. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. As Fred said, ah, that's good. Ah, so good. <laughs> Top Shelf Integrity is brought to you by Beam Centauri, Inc., Chicago, Illinois. Remember to always drink responsibly. <laughs>